Hello, and welcome back to You Are Good Enough. This is Kimberly Bell, your host. And today we are talking to Taylor Thibodeau. Taylor is 27, and I feel as though this man is committed to being his best self and living his best life every single day. Uh, just to give you a little background on Taylor, Taylor has run three Boston marathons. He's competed in the Ironman of 140.6 miles. Um, in 2012, he completed a 5,000 miles across America, Boston to Key West, Key West to Los Angeles. And he's actually currently in the process of doing this again with his girlfriend, Kelsey, and their dog, Huxley. Taylor is also, on, on a different note, he's a person who has dealt with, I feel, a lot of personal pain, um, illness. He daily experiences challenges related to memory loss, brain fog, heavy chronic fatigue. And I, and I can relate to all of this, and I know how hard that can be. And he actually has talked about the fact that he overcomes these obstacles by shifting his perspective and by mastering his mindset. And I know that he's done a lot of work in this area as well. Taylor additionally knows what it takes to overcome both nicotine and alcohol addiction. And I am really honored to do this, this interview with him, a man who I feel may be younger in years, but who has gained a deep wisdom through his own personal pain. But more importantly, he has learned how to navigate through his burdensome life challenges and prevail. So with that, I would like to say welcome, Taylor. Thank you for taking your time and spending it with us today. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing fabulous. Thanks for having me, Kim. Thank you for the uh, illustrious introduction. There. That was nice. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. I'm so, blushing a little bit. <laughs> you are. Okay. Well, so am I, but that just happens all the time. <laughs> um, so I wanted to just give people background you know, you're, you're prepping for this big ride, right? Yeah. And I know that you were just not long ago, you were a sales manager, a regional sales manager with Solar City, which, which is awesome. And I also want to add that you're currently working on building an adventure travel brand called Live Alive. That's correct. Yeah. That is, that is really cool. And I know that you're working towards becoming a life coach and, and hoping to be a speaker as well. So you know, I asked you when I was trying to get some information from you before we did this, I, I asked you if there was a quote, because when I see somebody who's managed things in their lives, sometimes things that people say, there's a mantra, there's a quote that we that we grab a hold of that really resonates with us. And so I was going to read it. But do you mind telling the quote that actually, I guess you kind of came up with for yourself, but it's just so, it's so true. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was probably a handful of years ago, probably right after I did the Ironman triathlon, which was in conjunction with that first bicycle trip across America. Um, I, there was a lot of naysayers and a lot of people that just kind of rolled their eyes at the concept of me doing something like that. Cause I had never done anything like that. So there was no evidence to support that I could. And after doing that, I realized, you know, if I listened to all the those voices, if I listened to all the voices of the people that told me that the something I wanted wasn't possible, I'd never have achieved any of the many things in my life that I'm most proud of. Exactly. Exactly. And 
you know, I mean, that's something that I talk about a lot is people listening to themselves because we really have been raised, you know, you're much younger than myself, but look at your parents, perhaps we've all been raised to live for other people, right? Pay attention to what other people are saying, pay attention to what other people are doing. So had you not turned inside to yourself, you wouldn't be where you are, right? That's right. Uh, And I think before anyone else is going to believe in you, you really do have to believe in yourself. I mean, it sounds a little cliche, but I mean, it's it's so true. And it's funny because now with this next bike trip that I'm doing with Kelsey, it's really not even a question. Nobody's like, oh, really? You're doing that? I don't believe that you can do that. You know, there's no it's it's been done. It's now known. And now everybody has faith and not just me. Right. Right. And and it's it's funny the way we've been trained to not believe things until we see the yeah, evidence. True. Right. Yeah. And now there are amazing teachers who are becoming more and more known every day who actually defy this scientists who actually say, no, the way that it works is you decide what the future is going to hold. And then through already realizing that that's going to happen, you create along the way, right? Love that. Yeah. Yeah. So that is, that is totally you. So, you know, I know we're going to get into a few things here. So when I thought about talking with you, Mm -hmm. my motivation, I guess, was I feel as though a lot of people are looking right now. They're looking for answers. They're looking for hope. They're looking for tools and perspectives, right, on how to navigate life. And that's what this show is all about. And I think to myself, you know, there's things that men are dealing with and there are things that women are dealing with and there are things that we as human beings are dealing with. Forget about the sex of the individual, right? Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, I really would like to have a conversation with you. I want to, you know, touch on the, the male aspect and, you know, the relational type stuff, but to get a sense for where you come from or what maybe your first realization was in life, I wonder if you could share one of those big insightful moments. Maybe it's an aha moment. Yeah, um, I think you're right. I think, but it's, it is a little bit hard to sort of rank what insightful moments might be more meaningful than others because I think they have a tendency to uh, lead to more insightful moments, so to speak. One of the most impactful moments in my life would have had to have been when I realized that um, I guess what I meditate in my daily life is accepting, believing, and then probably truly internalizing the truth that if someone has already done something, it can Mm -hmm. be done again. If the interest, passion, commitment is there, Mm -hmm. I truly can virtually do anything that has already been done by humans. And so when you kind of accept that truth for yourself, you realize that you can achieve whatever you set your mind to, whatever you want. If you mm-hmm. believe it, it can happen. Mm-hmm. And that, that that is huge when you internalize it. Mm-hmm. And so let me ask you, what do you do to help yourself stay on track with that? Um, well, I, I try to check in with myself every day. I, Good. I, I look yeah. in the mirror or figuratively look in the mirror and say, you know, am I happy? Am I proud of myself? And those mm-hmm. things are usually hand in hand, but if I go too many days or too long and the answer is no to both or either of those things, I know that I have to make some changes. If mm-hmm. I'm not happy, if I'm not proud of myself, then I know I'm not walking in alignment with my standards I've set for myself. And so something needs to change. And so that's awesome, right? Because checking in with ourselves is really the, the only way, right? That's our navigation system. So it's really the only way to really understand where am I now? How am I feeling? 
what, you know, maybe something happened yesterday that I need to take more of a look at because life's busy, right? Life's crazy. There's a lot and you're obviously doing a lot of things. So I think that's, that's awesome because when we carry around not feeling good about ourselves, it really starts to weigh heavy upon us and, and bring us down. So when you check in, like, it's, it's just like a kind of a casual mental thing. Is that, is that what it is for you? Yeah, it's, I'd say it's, it's more casual. It's not super rigorous. I try to have some daily mantras and some things that I live by, but really it's, what, what are my little wins of the week? What have I been doing that builds self-confidence that helps me, helps me maintain that confidence and that, you know, just being proud of myself, whether that be in an area of work or career or in my relationship or with my family or whatever. Am I proud of myself in what areas and what areas might need some work? Like what areas am I not happy with? And I check in with that and then I may write something down and I may write an action plan or I might just make a mental note of it and take small steps in that way to have what I consider little wins, you know, that add positivity and confidence to myself. Right. And so, you know, I want to say that, you know, we may think they're little wins, but Actually, I believe that small shifts create such big change. Oh, absolutely. And right. And so the more you check in with yourself, you're just going to realize that you haven't done it for a while. The more you do it, right. The more you're aligned with that. So let me ask you a question. Uh, What were, because you, you are recovering. How would you, what would you call it? You're, you recovered from alcohol. Are you a recovering alcoholic or? Yeah. You know, it's, it's one of those strange things where. I didn't really consider myself an alcoholic right. until after I wasn't really. <laughs> I guess it's kind of it's kind of one of those things where. So as you mentioned before, I deal with a chronic illness, and I was ambitiously pursuing a career as a sales manager. Um, I started off as just a salesperson in solar, and I, I very quickly wanted to advance in that career. And simultaneously, I was struggling with this chronic illness of heavy fatigue, memory loss, and which leads to just depressive thoughts and feelings. And, and it became easier to to start drinking. And, and that happened. And the next thing I knew, I was drinking a lot, a lot more than I ever, ever thought was normal or healthy. And I sort of became aware that I was drinking a lot, but I never coined myself as say an alcoholic, because I thought that that had such a stigma to it. It was kind of, it's kind of icky almost to me yeah, and yeah. Uh, scary, but also I was very aware the whole time of like, okay, you're drinking a lot. <laughs> you probably don't want to yeah. be doing this forever. There's going to yeah. come a time where you have to put your foot down with it. It's going to be a rough time, yeah. but you know, you have to do that. And, yeah. and I guess I think the question you're getting at is like, what, what was that road like? Or what was that journey like? Or how did how did I sort of get? How that? did you find your way out? Yeah. How did you how did you get in the driver's seat of that moment? Because like you know what we all do those things. I think you know I'm like I'll even do it with myself. Okay, you know you have to stop this. Okay, <laughs> right at some point, but you're kind of getting yourself ready, right? Yeah. So what did you do? So I, honestly, it, it it's the same process or recipe that I would okay. probably attribute to biking across America or becoming a regional manager or whatever goal I've set for myself. It's it's usually the same recipe. First, I have to place value on the goal itself. I have to determine what the outcome means to me, what that prize means to me. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I have to want, crave, desire, or demand the, the goal more than I don't want to endure the hazardous mm-hmm. road that it takes to get there. So I think it starts for me with visualizing myself in that place where I'm alcohol free 
and I'm no longer spending money needlessly. I'm no longer uh, damaging my health, which I actually pride very much. Like I want to be a healthy person. I think mind, soul, and body. So I knowingly hurting myself and doing things that aren't good for my body is mm-hmm. unbearable almost. So putting myself in that place, um, exploring the place almost in a daydream, immersing myself in that achievement of, okay, I'm alcohol free now and making it tangible, accepting that reality, something you mentioned almost earlier. Um, For me, you know, with say the cross country bike trip or the, or or Boston marathon, or, you know, imagining Mm -hmm. myself at the finish line or imagining myself at the end, imagining myself there and living in that place. You know, you can feel at the end of the bike trip, you feel the warmth of, of the air, the, the smell of the sea, you know, pedaling into the Pacific Ocean. You see yourself there. You live in that place and it mm-hmm. kind of fills you up with, wow, like that, that can be real. And then remembering, of course, that pain is temporary um, mm-hmm. and that it fades and that yeah. and something else will replace that. Yeah. You know, I don't necessarily remember the hard days very vividly of not drinking or, or pedaling or running or whatever it is that I'm doing, but nobody can take it away from me at this point. It, it's, it's something that I have now and it, it feels good to have that under my belt. But really, I'd say not to get off track here, but to visualize the outcome and live yeah. in that place for a little bit helps give you the strength, I guess, to keep going. Right. No. And that's, that's huge for anybody who is you know, good at manifesting, they will tell you. And I know that because I stumbled upon it years ago, trying to help heal my daughter, that I would put her and myself actually in the reality of being healed, right? What does life look like? What does she sound like? What does it feel like to be outside with her? Like, you know, feeling the warmth of the sun, getting the emotional connection right with the visualization like absolutely being there i think that that is the biggest part of manifesting so i think that's awesome that you actually stumbled upon that as well you know what i mean and so when you do that i think that the universe is like oh this is cool they're getting in alignment and flow with the universe so we're just gonna help taylor do all this right because he's, he's connecting with what he knows is in alignment with his soul, right? Which is always the higher. And it's a huge form or showing of self-love what you've done for yourself, right? Because let's face it, yeah, you could have stayed drinking, right? You could have stayed smoking, drinking these things, but you know that that makes you feel so much like crap, right? Or whatever word we want to put on that that you deserve to feel really good about yourself. And now it is really important for you to be in alignment and more integritous with what you're doing in your life. And you've become really self-responsible, which I feel many people lack and they might not realize that that's where a lot of happiness comes from is self-responsibility, owning their own, you know, their own life basically. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah, just nailed it. I mean, that's what's been going through my head. Um, partly as you're speaking here, I'm thinking self-responsibility, taking ownership of your life, you know, not having a victim mindset, not like letting life happen to me, but letting life happen through me, so to speak. Right. Um, right. I think you're nailing it. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. Yeah. And, and, and I'll be honest, you know, I think everyone listening right now can really identify with knowing what it feels like to feel like a victim in our lives. Oh, totally. And then 
right? And then for the lucky ones to be on the other side of that, not that we don't get there sometimes, but we can pull ourselves out of that place more easily once we realize that, no, 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 I'm responsible for the way that I feel. (laughs) Right? Absolutely. Yeah. So here's a question. What was like a painful moment of realization? Because I like to help, you know, our listeners because a lot of people are experiencing a lot of pain in life. I like to help people realize that through the pain is when we get the most insight and sometimes can really use that to elevate ourselves out of that place that we're actually in. A lot of times people will have these moments of being brought to their knees, right? I've totally had them more than a few times in my life. And they actually catapulted me into a much better mindset, a much better way of being, kind of like being disgusted with the way things are. So now the pain of staying in in the place that I'm in is greater than the fear of moving forward to something bigger and better for myself, right? Yeah, yeah so, absolutely. I mean, how many times I could, <laughs> I could probably... So was there a a big one with family, like parents or I don't know, you know, just like, uh, definitely, definitely, definitely. Probably the first ones obviously probably do happen with family. My parents probably they're dynamic, but um, probably the most influential one where I started becoming more self-aware that actually made me take a stand and I was brought to my knees was was probably, I think I was about 16 and I was, as in this romantic relationship with a girl, my first, you know, real girlfriend, my first love, you know, how that goes. And uh, uh, just totally enamored and, and, and thinking and functioning at, at this is before I was at all self-aware of myself. This is just before I realized that everybody's experiencing a unique reality. This is before, this is when I thought people were mind readers. This is back when I just assumed everyone sort of operated the same way. This is before I thought about things, I guess, deeply or, or outside of myself. And in this romantic relationship, I exhibited in hindsight very clearly now a lot of the disturbing personal qualities, let's say, um, being vulnerable with you here, I'd say, you know, a little bit controlling, um, judgmental, critical, maybe even a little manipulative without even necessarily being aware of that, um, possessive, just these qualities that I just absolutely in hindsight, I'm like, ugh, gross, you know, I don't, <laughs> I, I, it's hard to, hard to believe that that was ever me, but it pushed this person away from me. And that person meant so much to me at that time that it was very real. And I think my parents, I think a lot of adults look at that and say, 16, young love, puppy love, whatever, you know, you'll get over it, you'll learn. It's not that big of a deal. But let me tell you, it was a huge deal. And I attribute that to a lot of the launching pad for my self-development since. I had to take a hard look at myself because she, she, you know, when she left that relationship, my heart was shattered because I, I thought I was loving this person from what made, in a way that made sense to me, but I wasn't aware of how it was affecting her. Or that it wasn't healthy, or that I wouldn't want to be treated like that, and mm-hmm. it made me, it forced me to feel kind of alone and to face these things about myself, and and begin that long journey of self healing and, and self growth and self awareness. It was definitely the start, and I would honestly attribute the first time I ran the marathon was I was kind of running it for her in my mind, which was funny because it started that way. And it ended, I ran it for me, which was kind of cool. Uh, it started with like almost to improve something to her that I wasn't these bad things, that I could do something great, something that I could have control over. And then eventually it turned into, wait, I'm, I, I felt that healing taking place and I realized I could let this go and I didn't have to live in the past anymore. It was, it was a beautiful transition, but it was a long, long, long road of years and years. Yeah, that is, that's 
an awesome, beautiful story. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that because I can't believe that you learned that at 16. Like I'm seriously blown away. Started at 16, but probably took until I was 21 to really start letting all that stuff sink in. Okay, but you're 27. It's crazy. I'm 55 years old and I'm sitting here and I'm like, oh my God, there are men who are like in their 50s who still haven't gotten that. And it's not that they're bad. It's just that I'm amazed by the process of you took the moment of being in such pain and said, how do I change this? Like what went wrong? You know, starting to ask questions, which is a really brave act. So that is, that's cool. And I want to stay here then because I want to stay in relationship because that is a beautiful story. And I, I will say, I don't think that's a man woman thing. I think that we all maybe, or, or a large majority of us might begin relationship that way. We do expect people to be mind readers. And I have to say, sometimes we get annoyed if they're not. Okay. (laughs) And, And, and I experienced that for many years, you know, like in my marriage and we have these fantasies of what they should do without even knowing that it matters to us, right? It's crazy. This stuff that we do, uh, but we do. So that's, you know, I was going to ask you if, if there is something that you've learned about like for yourself in romantic relationships that you feel you could, you know, that other men could benefit from. And I guess, you know, it's a brave act to look in the mirror. Okay. And to start asking questions, how, what is it that I'm doing? How can I do it better? How can I be prouder of myself? What is it about myself? I don't like, like I, I did very much like you. I reinvented myself. I took the things away from myself. I stopped doing them. The things that made me not like myself and I adopted traits and things that I would, I knew I would totally respect and just love and admire about myself. Right. Yeah. But is there something that you can say that you've learned that you see that that might benefit other men? Yeah, sure. I, again, like so many things I feel like because I'm so passionate about this area. I love talking about relationships. And honestly, because, you know, I, I, I focus so much of my mental and emotional energy on, you know, developing myself to be more effective or communicative or just more able to sustain a healthy relationship that I'm obviously very passionate about this because that's where my heart is. Um, so sure. Uh, I think one of the biggest things, one of the biggest lessons for me was pausing Mm -hmm. because I, you know, I I mean, I obviously, I wrestle with ADD a little bit, so I have a hard time pausing anyway, (laughs) but pausing and really thinking about, and the other person's perspective and that there's more than one perspective, I think is the first thing I started to realize was, okay, not everybody is seeing, she's not seeing things this way. My partner doesn't see things the same way as me. So A, I need to communicate how I see things effectively, uh, make mm-hmm. sure that she understands by maybe her reflective listening and, and saying, here's what I heard and here's what I think you mean. And then I can validate that and vice versa. Like, mm-hmm. listen, I'm here's what I'm hearing from what you're saying. Is this what you mean? Is this what you're getting at? And try to get to the closest form of truth that we can so we have an understanding of one another because i think honestly just a lot of issues develop in relationships because of lack of effective communicating honestly uh, amen. Just, yes we're not understanding one another because if we were i think we'd all kind of agree a lot more <laughs> i totally agree yeah and, totally and i think agree. with that comes you know 
a lack of vulnerability and, and then a, a general a general lack of genuine intimacy, which I honestly think is, the, is one of the many, well, one of the few big solutions to um, apathy is in having genuine and invested intimacy on a regular basis. Because we say things like uh, familiarity creates con- uh, contempt or whatever. Um, and I, I'm over here thinking, well, familiarity for me forms fondness <laughs> when i the right. more familiar i become with something the more i understand something the more i have a tendency to to gravitate toward that identify with that thing love that thing i think that's mm-hmm. kind of the mindset behind like ad agencies or honestly those sad situations where abusees start to love their abuser even like familiarity oh, yeah. forms fondness and so when we invest and listen and be vulnerable and understand and seek to be understood put in the time and the effort and the work that it takes to have mm-hmm. that I think they stay yeah. interesting and exciting and we learn that ever evolving person and it's, it never becomes dull or boring or apathetic or misunderstood because we take the time to understand. Right. Right. So funny. I'm, as you're talking, I'm thinking that there's like, this is such a big conversation. I know. It's so hard to stay. I'm <laughs> sorry. It's hard to stay on one track. I'm going to go over no. here a thousand roads. No, I, I don't even mean that. I mean that everything you're saying is so, is so right on. I'm just saying that there's so many things that come into communication with, with people in general, then you add a romantic relationship on top of it. Mm-hmm. And you've got the perfect playground for triggering all day long, right? So the person is the, per- the perfect teacher for us, right? In a spiritual sense, if you will, to help us see what it is inside of us that still, I say, needs to be loved, mm-hmm. right? That younger wounded person who was rejected or abandoned by mom and dad or whoever in our lives, right? Mm-hmm. And in the world also has done that for us. So many times when I'm working with relate, you know, people in relationships, the focus is on what the other person hasn't done for them. Right. The focus is usually on, um, they have to say it this way so that they don't get me upset. You know, it's a lot of projection and a lot of not listening. Right. You have to be able to be brave enough to stop talking and listen. Right. Right. And it is huge. It is huge. It's, it's so much easier to just blah, 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 blah um, over the other person. But what happens is, you know, you can begin to talk about a subject. Both people get so triggered. They're talking about 10 other subjects now. (laughs) They're so far away from that original issue. Right. So it's, it's having everybody come back. So, and I love that you're talking about vulnerability because I do feel like this is really missing, but I think it's missing because most of us are running around feeling insecure and relationships so far doesn't feel, it hasn't felt safe, right? Because that's the one place where there we always see a lot of drama. We hear about a lot of drama, but what an amazing thing it can be to have healthy love instead of codependent love, right? Uh-huh. And codependency is you need to change yourself so I can feel better, right? You need to say that differently so that I don't get mad, right? That's codependent behavior. So, you know, in a healthier relationship, it would look like, you know what? I can appreciate where you're coming from. Let me make sure I hear you the right way, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> and and tell me what I'm doing that's, that looks like that so I can better understand this, right? And that's a very different place to come from in a relationship 
So it would be wonderful if people could feel like they could be vulnerable. And I tell couples all the time that if you felt loved, appreciated, accepted, really and truly for who you are, right? And if you felt brave enough to show your whole self to the other person, okay? And especially like in all ways, right? Sexually and just, you know, intimacy without sex, right? Just going to that place when you can actually be with somebody and be completely vulnerable, the relationship is so different from what we see on TV, right? It is a different experience. And you know what? You don't want to leave a relationship like that. It's incredible. I I can't imagine... I'm very fortunate because I surround, I believe that we are what we surround ourselves with to a large degree, right? The books we read, people we hang out with, whatever information we're ingesting, I think we start to develop in that way. But I'm lucky or blessed rather, because I'm surrounded by my male friendships. We're all comfortable with one another. We're very intimate. Uh, We share everything that's going on. We are up to date on each other's like fears, concerns, stresses, and our you know our subjective or our perspective relationships. We we kind of know what's going on. We want to know. We're all invested in one another, and we feel like we can hug and cry if need be, and and talk about those things. And there's really no holding back. And I know what it's like to have relationships that aren't like that. And mm-hmm. now that I have relationships that are like that, I really it's very freeing. Like you're saying, you don't want to leave it. And, and I'm talking about just friendships right now, but even definitely romantic, certainly oh, romantic okay. relationships. But I hear stories about guys that have been friends for 20 years. And this leads me into another topic we can get to later, maybe. But I've known, I, I know stories of guys that have been friends for 10, 15, 20 years, and they still have surface level relationships. And that's their words. And I'm thinking, whoa, <laughs> a surface level, who are you talking to about the, your, your wide spectrum of emotions and feelings that you have inside of you? Who, who are you connecting with if your closest friends are still surface level friends? Yeah. It's mind blowing for me. But yes, intimacy is just so good. It's like you can be insecure. You can say that these are my insecurities and it's not used against you. It's just like, okay, that's, that's what you're working with. Like, let's, you know, work on that together or whatever. You can be safe here. It's not a right. scary place. And if I think everybody kind of wants that. So if we could just kind of tap into that together and accept that yeah. as a truth, I mean, if we could yeah. sh- make a mindset shift of uh, our whole society, that would just be amazing. I wish, but oh my be God. Nice yeah. because we could all just be real with one another. Cause we're all, you know, pushing all those things down and, and hiding them. And then we kind of are shells of ourselves, but um, nothing is more fruitful for, uh, there's no more richness than I could find in a relationship than being intimate and vulnerable and just being completely raw and honest. And honestly, I don't have time at this point in my life uh, for anything else. <laughs> I just don't oh have God, time for right? it. That's, that's it. That's it. And I love it. Here you are. You're, you're 27 and you already get this, you know, and I've only come into contact with a relationship like this, like here in the last, you know, 10 years of my life. And I'm like, I will wait for people to show up who are right. like that. I'm not going to just have relationship with anybody because I can't do that anymore. Who can do that? When you, I can't be surface anymore. Like, I don't, I want more, I want more depth and more value out of my life. And I guess that's my definition, right? Um, I see that with men and I feel for men because I wish men felt more comfortable to Come together. It does. You don't need a beer, right? You don't need to get high. Okay, you can just 
come together because you want to do like bro night. Okay. Is that cool to say? Oh, yeah. I don't know. Is that cool, really cool Kim? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but I'm just like, you know what? Yes. We need to talk about things, right? I was just with a girlfriend last night and you know what? I love sitting there and being so honest with her. And we talk about our insecurities and we talk about these things on our body that we're like struggling with through age. And hello, it makes us closer. It makes you feel like you're not alone either. Cause we're all going through it. Yes. And I don't it. care what age you are. You're going through it. I don't care what age you are. We're all going through something, That's right? And inadvertently, um, when you realize that everybody's going through, you see people differently too. And you kind of like want to be like, come on, you know, like, come on, open up a little bit. Like, I already know like, I don't, you're not any better or, you know, more figured out. You don't have all this whole, you don't have all these solutions that and I'm not saying people don't have solutions to issues that, that, that I might have. I still learn from right. everybody, but I'm saying, like, come on, yeah, like, you're not, yeah. you're not perfect. You know, the things that I might be afraid to reveal, you've got something of that caliber too. It may not be the exact same thing. That's something yeah. that we would both say, hey, I don't want you to know about this because you might judge it. But knowing that yeah. and viewing everybody through that lens, I don't want to say that it necessarily, it doesn't bring everybody down. It just brings me up. It gives me a sense of confidence. Like I'm not behind the eight ball. I'm, I, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not an outcast. I'm actually just like everyone else. And everybody else just needs to start opening up a little bit so we can all be more comfortable with one another. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. It's funny because I remember when I was living what I'll call my more superficial yeah. life, right? And then I had my aha moment, I'll call it, um, through my daughter getting ill. And wow. during that time, it was it was that come to Jesus moment for me, right? It was the moment where I look in the mirror and I'm like, girl, you don't like yourself now figure out what it is that you need to do to do that because you need you, right? And so through that process, it was like, I'm going to begin today to start being honest in all ways in my life. And it was it's scary for a second until you make the decision and then it's freaking liberating because I, if I'm insecure, I'm going to say oh, yeah. it. You know, I'm, people think I'm life coach Kim and that like I'm above it all. Guess what? <laughs> I have this, I deal with the same stuff. It's just, it's different. I have more tools in my toolbox. I've, I've gotten better at, at, you know, having my ego be aligned. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just different now, but we do, we do, we do. And our, our commonness are, are all these things that we look at as being such threats are really the things that can connect us to our humanness and connect us to each other because, we really are one in that in many ways, actually, but this is a big one, mm -hmm. right? And it's relieving. It really is. It, it truly, truly is. And um, I mean, I think it's an antidote for a lot of a lot of uh, the separation we feel is um, in our relationships is just being open. But but then the, then this brings us to okay, well, there definitely are individuals that aren't necessarily deserving of our vulnerability because that could be abused or true. Um, I don't know the right word yeah. I'm trying to find here, but there's definitely people that you got to vet. You do want to do a little bit of vetting because not everybody's at the same place. Like if everybody could have this revelation, then great, but there are people that don't yeah. and that might be hurtful yeah. and they might, they might throw stones and they might be very overly judgmental or can't wait to gossip about you or whatever. So you do have to kind of, you know, I, I'm, I'm confident enough in myself that I'm not afraid to talk about my insecurities, but I think that yeah. just as a general rule of thumb, everybody should be, should probably be a little bit conscientious of who they're saying what to, because not everybody deserves certain things. And you, 
No, you're right. Yes. Yeah. You know, Agreed. Uh, yeah. And then there's also some people that if somebody just a stranger comes up to me and starts pouring all of their, their hardships onto me, it that's almost like, okay, well, we don't have that relationship just yet. Like I, I love your enthusiasm, but you're being very, very, very open and vulnerable about something that I don't, and I don't know you yet. So there's no context for who you are or what's going on. So trying to find that balance of what's this relate, what's our relationship like, where are we at? And then kind of going from there. And, and, and then opening one another up, I think is a really effective route because we all are going through something. And I think knowing a little bit of context about an individual, building a little bit of a foundation in that relationship, starting from a point of truth is huge. Mm-hmm. Is huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it, it's funny that you say that because if you have people pouring their hearts out to you, um, that's, that's how I got started years ago, right? I was the person in CVS. I'd go in to get a script for one of my kids and I'd end up being in there for two hours <laughs> because some people just unload, gotcha. right? It, it, it's a funny thing. So maybe you should look into coaching. <laughs> um, but yeah, cause you're like naturally energetic, you know, uh, primed and pumped for that probably, but the other thing I wanted to say was I'm I'm a lot more energetically responsible now, right? So through my age and my wisdom, I realize I may love someone in my life, but at the same time, they may not be healthy for me in all ways, right? And so I will, and I always encourage people to put up, I don't you'd like to use the word put up, but use boundaries. You can use boundaries in a loving way. It's like, hey, I honor you. I love you very much. I see where you are. And I just don't feel like we're good for each other right now. Totally. You know? Oh my God. Yeah. And, oh my God. Yeah. and that, that circles back to the whole, like, I believe for myself, like my own mantras, it's like, I am who I surround myself with. Like if I, if I want to be a better man, I, I want to surround myself with individuals that, and I, I'm, you know, better man, you know, well, that takes some defining, but I think you get what I'm Definition, um, exactly. If, yeah. More so, more yeah. so the man that I want to be. I want to surround myself with men that are kind of already there or are on that same journey. And I, mm-hmm. I just, like we talked about, I don't have time or energy. And that's not because, hey, look at me, like I'm something great. It's more like, hey, look at me. I love myself. I respect myself. And I'm, I'm very committed to my own self-development. So if you're on, if, if this seems toxic, I have to set up boundaries and, and it's not saying something le- is less about you. It's more so just saying, I love myself enough and respect myself enough that this is what needs to happen yeah. here and now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I feel like too, that the universe kind of helps us just naturally with that process. If we kind of, you know, um, stay in alignment with ourselves I've had a lot of relationships over the years kind of fall away. Not that I did anything or had crosswords with anybody, but it's kind of like something bigger than myself kind of came in and just kind of made the, you know, separation, so to speak. You know, I know we've been going here and I do want to get to this question. Okay. So in, in staying in alignment with like men, okay. Do you feel there's something that holds men back? What is it that you feel, I guess, is the question. What do you feel? in your opinion, holds men back from going deeper into the relationships with themselves, romantically, with people? I, I feel like it's fear, okay? But is it fear of rejection? Like, what do you think? think? Well, first, I, I think, yeah, fear is probably right. I think a lot of things are either done from fear or love if you break it down really simplistically. The world's not black yeah. and white. It's vibrant, and there's a spectrum of color. But with that said, I men specifically again I'm so fortunate to surround myself or I don't spend a lot of time um surrounding myself with individuals that don't operate like I do in that way 
So it's right, a little bit more right. difficult. But if I were to if I were to think about it, and I have, I'd say that there's a lot of yeah. expectation still that men have a certain type of role to play. Where uh, this is mm-hmm. shifting, I think, in society, it's definitely it shifting. Is. But mm-hmm. I think that there's still mm-hmm. a lot of remnants of. Um, I think it comes from our our fathers, probably. Male, male, male role models. I think they felt that more strongly than we do in our society. But because of that, we now adopt that a little bit, which is like, okay, I got a job to do. I got to be the provider. We're only capable of so much in our brains and our emotional energy and our physical energy and all that. So to provide, to get the job done and to get it done well, sometimes you have to put your feelings aside for a while or or, some, or we might feel that way to get something done because we only have so much capacity in our minds. And and when you start to shove things aside to get a job done, like I'm just going to get the job done, I'm not going to process these feelings, I'm not going to process this emotion. I think you start to lose touch with like what you really want and who you really are. And then you start just like going to the gym and then not going to the gym. It's It's like a muscle you need to work out is to communicate effectively. So I think I think feeling like we have this pressure as we get older that we've got a job to do and that we don't have time mm-hmm. to sift through all our emotions and talk about them effectively and take that time and energy um, to do so. I think that that's an element. I think that's a big element, potentially. <laughs> I think another one is obviously society, the television and movies. I think the movie and television that are mm-hmm. attracting men are the main characters are usually pretty quiet or or they get the job done, right? They, at what all, at whatever it mm-hmm. takes, and it's it's sometimes pretty unrealistic. Right. The most popular show on TV right now, Game of Thrones. Uh, one of the main character, mm-hmm. Jon Snow, you know, he's a very quiet man. You know, reserved, doesn't share his emotions and thoughts all that much. He just gets the job done, and it's kind of like, well, he's got a whole spectrum of emotion going on in there, and and that's not necessarily. Right. If we're watching that and we're idolizing this character then we're going to want to, if not consciously, subconsciously mirror that which we admire. And we're not sharing. We're not opening up. Um, Probably, yeah, for fear of rejection, fear of criticism, fear of being not masculine, but also because we haven't taken the time to analyze in the first place and Mm -hmm. then really come to terms with what's going on for real. Right. Or or even just to sit with (laughs) self, right? Because what you said was really true. Okay. And I know a, a few men, right. That feel like they have a job to do. And so they might ignore their feelings, their true feelings, because this is what they feel they've committed themselves to. Right. So I guess the difference for, um, you know, women, and this is general, I'm, this isn't like right. black or white, but typically you see the female who's able to, to keep her heart open through the process of, of yes. living yes. life. Right. Unless we're being severely abused or something like that. But in general, we keep it open. And I think that men haven't learned that they can live through the heart as well. And in fact, that really is where the best decisions can come from, right? Is, is a merging of, of the mind and the heart, mm-hmm. right? But, but I would agree that men are still stuck because of society, because of generations and generations of showing us from the time we're small, what a man looks like, what he does, how he doesn't feel, right? And and same for a woman as well. And, you know, I work with, you know, men, and what I found is they're comfortable with being happy or being angry. Yeah. Right? But (laughs) there's a lot missing. And, 
you know, it's it's starting to be more comfortable with the variety of emotions and things that we experience if we allow like the I think you I don't watch the yeah. show Game of Thrones, um, but this Jon Snow guy, I believe that's who you called him. Uh, you know, has anyone interviewed him to say, OK, so tell us how you feel. <laughs> um, I wonder what he would say, but he's a quiet man and he gets the job done. And you're right. Things are shifting because and I and I'm working with a lot of millennials. Right. And and I see the men who are coming in and they are more open to feeling and they are more open to having things different than they were part wise. So I think we're moving out of this this whatever we've been calling man and women, woman, you know, the definition of what that looks like. And I think it is starting to shift. And I'm happy about that because you really are happier when you honor your feelings and you realize that that's your navigation, right? Totally. And then you surround yourself with with people that accept you or or at least love you through all that. You're you're happy. You're just happier all around. You're not questioning all the time or afraid of, what if this is discovered mm-hmm. or found out? It's so nice to be able to be raw, rawly and truly yourself and then accept it because you can just relax in your own skin. You know, walk around relaxing in your own skin is, uh, it's like my definition of like emotional freedom. I agree. I totally agree. And I, I know that I was just having this conversation with somebody. I said, you know what? I am me, no matter who I'm talking to, no matter what I'm doing, I'm me all the way, my presentations that I do with people, you know, working with people, my podcast, I'm just me. I'm me everywhere. And, and it's, it, I remember not being me all the way. Right. And holding back and pretending like I'm somebody I'm not. And it is exhausting, Taylor. It's exhausting. I know. I know. Is is there anything that you want to say? I know we're we're coming up on an hour. You and I could go for another hour. Um, I just, I've, I've really loved this, um, this time with you. Is there any other point that you want to make? Hmm. Let's see. I mean, again, a thousand points, just constantly. I could keep talking. You're talking about things I'm passionate about. So, I I mean, it could be, it's it's (laughs) so great. I guess if I were to say one other thing, it's just to reiterate that, you know, get in touch with yourself, spend some time alone, um, really meditate on what you want, who you are, how you function, uh, see yourself, try to see yourself clearly, like take time to really evaluate like yourself, oneself. And I think everything kind of starts from there. When you can start to see yourself as clearly mm-hmm. as you can, you, you're able to make decisions, you're able to understand, okay, well, this, this is what I want. And then you're able to start setting goals, whether that be relational goals, communicative goals, like I want to be a better communicator, I want to be more open, I want to be more vulnerable. But first, you just got to know who is that person that wants that? Who am I? Spending time alone mm-hmm. is huge. And it can be scary for some people. I'm definitely a social bird. Uh, I spend a lot of time, mm-hmm. I like to, I do like to be alone now that I'm now that I'm older and more seasoned and developed and I have a sense of understanding of myself, I, I need that time and I know I need that time. Um, so I'm like a, yeah. a very extroverted introvert, I guess, or an introverted extrovert or whatever. But spending time mm-hmm. with oneself and then from there saying, am I proud of myself? And what do I want to change? And then working on small, manageable steps to make that change. Small pieces, mm-hmm. little wins that lead to a large victory. Just that. I mean, that's basically all I, I you know, that's all I have to say about that, Matt. No, I think I think that's great. I think it's that's huge. And 
I, I agree. You know, and everybody I talk to, they say the same thing. You know, you have to be with yourself. You have to get more familiar with what it is that makes you feel good. What is what is it that doesn't make you feel good? You know, and getting more clear and centered on self. And, you know, again, with your quote, you know, in the beginning, I mean, the, the most important voice you need to hear every day is your own. If you're so focused on what everybody else is telling you, you should be doing or blah, blah, blah. Right. And that comes from family and friends and relationships. You'll never connect with self. Right. So, you know, I I tell people too. you know, sometimes we have hard decisions that we have to make. But at the end of the day, you're the one that has to be in alignment with you. We can always say no to somebody in a loving way. Right. And and that. In that person, if they love themselves enough, they will understand. They may not love the decision, but they'll honor your choice, right? And and what it is that you need to do. So, so that's great. And thank you for sharing like your daily practice, you know, of checking in and you know, keeping yourself on track. And I um I'm excited for you because you guys are going on this uh this bike trek like here in the next yeah, week or two, like right? Two and so. a half weeks or so, the twentieth. Right cool. Very, very exciting. Um, okay. That's great. I thank you very much. So what I, what I think would be great is maybe after your experience, you come back again and you share, you know, things that maybe you learned along the way and, um, yeah, have, have a great time. Thanks to all the listeners guys have a great week. I will talk to you next week and don't forget that you are good enough. Talk to you soon.